Hi, I'm Frank Daly and welcome to That Sounds Interesting podcast. My guest today is Marina Pacheco, a prolific writer who has written more than 30 books in various genres, including historical fiction, romance, science fiction and short stories. She has lived in a number of cities, including London, Johannesburg and Bangkok before settling in Lisbon. So welcome, Marina. I'm really pleased to have you on my podcast today. Thanks for having me. So just before we get into discussing the various books that you've written, can you give me a little bit of background, first of all? Yeah, um, I was born in South Africa in Johannesburg, um, grew up there, finished, went off to university there. When I started off, uh, my parents were still there. They decided to emigrate to Portugal, but I stayed behind and finished my degree. Then I moved to Portugal um, after I graduated, uh, lived here for a while, but it was really difficult to find work. Uh, so I moved over to um, London, where I lived for 22 years. Absolutely loved it, really liked the city. Um, all of this time, I studied zoology, um, and I was working in environmental conservation. So quite far from what I was doing, but um, I did study at university, I, I had studied zoology because I was interested in animal behavior and because I was interested in animal behavior we had an option of doing a, a second degree like you know concurrently and I took psychology um, and I think that's all fed into my writing uh, which I did on the side whilst I was doing the day job of environmental conservation so yeah. So can you give me a little bit more about environmental uh, conservation? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's obviously the planet is in a bit of a, a state, as we know, with global warming and loss of biodiversity and all the rest of it. Um, so there's quite a lot of environmental charities, most of them based in London, so that they can lobby government, essentially, to try and do the right thing. Um, and I work for a number of different conservation bodies. Uh, the first was the British Trust for Conservation Volunteers. I know what, at that time, actually, you were also um, involved in a nature conservation podcast. Yes. So um, I, at the end of a lot of conservation work, I landed up uh, working for the Kingston Biodiversity Network. And um, we were trying to encourage people locally to get involved in conservation. And I was just finding anybody who was doing conservation in the area uh, and and talking to them about what they did and how they got into it, hopefully to show other people how easily you could do it and how you could just get on and do some conservation without having to find an organization or get permission or, you know, whatever. So, yeah, I, it was amazing just in the borough of Kingston how many inspirational people there were involved in green things in a whole variety of different ways. Yeah, it was a lot of fun doing the, doing the interviews. Um, so, Marina, you moved to uh, Lisbon then a few years ago. When was that? Mm-hmm. Just before the pandemic, I, I guess about three and a half years ago. So, yeah, it's been a little while now and I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, obviously, it, it's really agreeing with you because you've been a prolific writer in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, it's more than that. I've been writing for 20 or more years. 
so that I'm now publishing. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that. I didn't realize that you yeah. had written many of them actually a good few, year, few years ago. I did look at yeah. some of the historical fiction books and they looked mm-hmm. quite interesting. I browsed through a couple of them that were on Amazon. Yes, um, I have published. I, I've actually lost track. I was asked the other day. I think I've published 12 now uh, of fiction, fiction novels. I'm about to publish the 13th. I'm just waiting for the cover to be finished. And I'm busy editing the 14th. So, yes, (laughs) I'm trying to have a bit of a a sort of factory production line. (laughs) But you have about 30 books that you've actually written, but some of them haven't been published yet. Not published yet. Yeah, all of those are pretty much in first draft um, sort of shape. So they really need a lot of work before they're ready for publishing. Okay, and you set yourself what any author would feel as being an unattainable goal, but well done for doing it. You set yourself a goal to write 100 books. Yes. (laughs) I read a really interesting book by um, Chris Gillibeau that said, um, you know, um, having a target, it's more than having a a target is a great thing to, to aim for, and it should be stretching. And I thought, well, you know, I've already got these 30-odd books in first draft, so why not just push some of them out and and see if I can get to 100? I've been looking. Some authors are amazingly prolific and and have produced 100 books, so it's not impossible. But, yeah, I'm quite in awe of them now that I've started trying to publish. (laughs) Yes, it it takes a while. I know I've published um, uh, five books and I'm working on the sixth at the moment, so it does take a while. Once you've gone through and actually got the the, the um, script ready and or not script but the the manuscript ready, uh, having having re- had it edited well, multiple times edited until you're actually at a stage where you're ready to publish it and it's been edited by an editor and proofread. Even when you have the manus- manuscript at that stage, then there's lots of work, especially if you're self-publishing. There's quite a lot of work you still have to do. Yes, indeed. And I mean, at the moment, one of my books is very delayed because my cover designer, uh, you know, so I mean, I tried to plan and I knew they were slow. But even so, you know, um, it can be delayed by by a few months, which can throw your timetable completely. Of course. And actually, uh, the funny thing about cover design is you think, oh, well, they're going to put a picture on the front and they're going to put a blurb on the back. But it's much more than just that. After all, the cover design is what's going to attract people to potentially pick the book up or in the case of uh, um, if it's Kindle, go and click on it and go and look at the blurb. So that's really important. Oh, yeah, hugely important. I mean, I remember um, Terry Pratchett, for example. I love his stories now, but I I think I didn't pick up a single one of the Pratchett books for about 10 years because I didn't like the covers. I mean, it's so essential to get it right. I guess having a designer to do that work is is money very well spent, I have to say. And and Marina, are you uh, publishing both um, as Kindle versions and paperback? Are you uh, doing uh, um, primarily doing Kindle? I am doing both because it's easy enough to do. I mean, it takes me maybe an extra day to do the layout for the uh, paperback. So there's no reason not to have all the formats you can. I've also got the um, hardcover. So yeah, oh, you know, that, that, that's certainly a good idea. And have you published on more than just Amazon, like, for example, uh, yeah. Google and Kobo and uh, other yeah. platforms? 
So what I've done, one of my series, well, my only actual series as such um, is Amazon exclusive because I do make quite a lot of money from Kindle Unlimited uh, for the series. But all my other books that are standalone novels are published wide. So they're through, I've used and drafted digital to essentially put them out to everything else. Of course, good idea, actually. Yeah. I mean, I looked, I did that for books, but I didn't use draft to digital, but I did it manually. But it was a lot of work to mm. to to go through uh, each of those uh, uh, potential uh, uh, publishers and, and work on it. So maybe draft to digital is a good service worth uh, investing in. It's certainly worth looking at. And the other thing that they can do is get your books into libraries, which um, is really difficult as a self-published author. So if you can get them to do the libraries for you, you know, it's it's a bit of a win. So um, I I guess we're finding here the business of being an author is much bigger than just writing a book itself. Yeah, I mean, I think the writing probably takes 50% of my time and the rest takes 50% of my time, uh, including the marketing, which is essential. You have to spend time on marketing. Yes, of course. I was going to say, and I know from from uh, doing various marketing courses and doing marketing myself in the past, um, I think it's marketing is at least 50% of the whole uh, um, project in order to try and get, you have to constantly be marketing if you're going to make regular sales. You really do. I mean, uh, the last stat I heard, and it's probably changed by now, was that there were 7 million books on Amazon. So, you know, you've got to do something to make your books uh, stand out or just be seen. Otherwise, it will just vanish without trace. You can't just put it on Amazon and think, job done. You know, people will find the book. Yeah, in fact, actually, there used to be a possibility of doing that before about 2015. In the early years of Kindle, for example, from 2011 to about 2015, it was possible in certain genres to put your book out there, have it published on Kindle. um, And, uh, well, also you could have it as a paperback, but... And then find that uh, there was a certain amount of organic sales that occurred by virtue of whatever genre you happen to be in or, and subgenres. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, those days are long gone. <laughs> yes, indeed. Actually, at least for at least the last six or seven years, you have to put advertising in in order to get visibility and not just advertising. There are lots of other ways about going about marketing in fact actually yeah. that could be the subject of a, a separate podcast even mm-hmm. oh yeah oh yes it is a massive topic i mean you know newsletters as well is really useful that's one of my main selling um, mechanisms is my newsletter yeah um i i am um, i'm part of the group that uh, mark dawson has and i have taken his course for ads for authors and mm-hmm. uh, it it um it, it's a complete business in itself. It really is. Yes, I'm also a Mark Dawson um, <laughs> graduate. <laughs> He's very good. Yeah. Well, I have to say now, I've read a good few of his books, uh, which I enjoyed. But also, he he he's made as much money from from uh, market uh, selling his training courses to mar- uh, for marketing for authors oh, yes. as he has from actually the books themselves. I sometimes wonder whether the people doing those kinds of courses are making more money from their courses than they are from their books. Although I know he's very successful with his books as well. 
Yes, uh, probably the most successful self-published author in the UK anyway. Yeah, I would think so, yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about your books uh, and the various different genres. Mm-hmm. So can you, uh, I mean, I, I, historical fiction was the first, of, and I guess that was the biggest series that you have. Yes, yeah, so I have a, an actual series in historical fiction, which started off just as a, an exercise for me in um, a particular style of writing. So sometimes it's, it's strange the things that kick stories off. Um, I had read The Decameron years ago by Boccaccio, which is 10 narrators telling 10 stories each. So it came out at 100 stories, hence The Decameron. Um, and I thought I would try and write uh, a book with 10 chapters, well, t- with 10 stories in them of 10 chapters each. So um, initially, my historical fiction series was about, was a single book, about 200,000 words. Um, And then, you know, when I started looking at marketing and thinking about the books, I realized I could actually break that up into 10 books. And um, so I've kind of rewritten them to flesh out each of the stories. And it's about uh, a scribe in the year 997 AD, just at the turn of the millennium, a British scribe. And his friend is an illustrator in an abbey. And they land up going on a massive journey all the way to Rome. So, yeah, and it's pure historical fiction. Um, oh, okay, and, yeah. and I know Galen is the name of that character, actually, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes, and, and Yeah, um, and so did you have to do a lot of research? Oh, yes, I, I do a lot of, I mean, I enjoy reading about history, um, and yes, I do loads of research before I start writing. So I just read a lot of uh, straight-up, history books of one sort or another and then I've got books on scribes and how to do illuminated lettering and all of that kind of thing then once I've done all of the reading I put those books away and then I sit down and I start writing so I tend not to then go back to doing the reference looking at the references again so yeah of course it's kind of distilled in your mind at that stage and you're ready to write the books and i noticed from the covers as well that you used that illuminated manuscript as part of the book cover yeah i was i was aiming for something that looked like an illuminated manuscript for the covers just because of the topic and and the characters in it so yeah i think that works really well actually because i when i went and looked at some books that you had on amazon and i saw the covers and then i kind of knew before i even read a little subset of the book what to expect so i think it works well oh thank you (laughs) it's not exactly you know i mean a lot of genres are that have got very specific covers and these covers are sort of on the fringe of of what people would think of as historical fiction so yeah i mean in marketing terms they could potentially be improved but i like them so yeah. i think they work well certainly uh, and uh, but you have books in other genres as well i do so i have historical romance as well which is more on the historical and less on the romance uh, in case people are after bodice rippers these are not them <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then once i got to portugal i was very inspired by uh, just being here i'm always just very influenced by wherever i live um so i've written uh, a, a contemporary romance 
based in Lisbon, but very much in, uh, sort of, I guess you could say, inspired by Korean drama, which might sound a bit weird, but I just like their style. They've got a slightly different story arc within their romances that I prefer to what you could say, Western Western romance. Um, okay, uh, that sounds, sounds interesting. But you've also, apart from just romance and historical fiction, you've also dipped your toe in science fiction. Yes. I, I Well, I've published one science fiction book. I've probably got half of my writing is science fiction, but I haven't published the rest of them yet. Wow, um, wow, that's brilliant. Yeah. But the problem with that, again, it's the marketing. So now I've built up my, my sort of readership of the historical stuff. And the, they are not science fiction write, readers. So, you know, when I'm thinking about, oh, what do I release next? I'm I'm sort of veering towards the place that I already have an audience. Because yeah. I would have to build up a new audience for the science fiction. Yeah, exactly. In fact, mm. I, there's a very good podcaster and writer, Joanna Penn, and she oh, yeah. she's often discussed that issue because she writes uh, factual books as well as fiction books. And yeah. how she solved it was she um, she used a different she used Joe J Penn, JF Penn, I think it was for one one for the fiction books and then maybe Joanna Penn for the nonfiction. I'm not sure if I got the names right here, but she did yeah. use two two variations of her name, like as if she was two different authors. Yeah, I mean, it really does help. I, I've also done a few children's picture books and I used a totally different name because you don't want the kids' picture books popping up when someone's searching your author name for adult books, for instance. Of course, Yeah, of course, so, that, that's a, yeah. that makes a lot of sense, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, um, but it's not a problem that a lot of people have to deal with, right? It's only somebody who's got, a, who is prolific as a writer and who's writing in various different genres. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it's a nice problem to have. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and you, you've written some books of short stories as well. Yes. So, I mean, uh, since I moved to Portugal, I joined the Lisbon Writing Group. And um, they often have these little short story challenges, you know, uh, during on a, on a Saturday we meet up and write together. And I, for the longest time, have said, I cannot write short stories. I do not know how to do this genre. Every time I sit down to write a short story, it turns into a novel. But um, it's been a lot of fun working with the Lisbon Writing Group and discovering that I can actually write short stories. Yeah, and, and I have to say, I've I, I've written a book of short stories, and I do like writing short stories, but not the ones that you write in an hour or two. More mm. more ones that might be like twenty to fifty pages. Oh right, yeah, that's quite long. I mean, that's kind of almost novella level, isn't it? But uh, regarding um, short books of short stories, that was a good idea to collect from the Lisbon uh, writers all the short stories and collecting them together, as well as probably writing some yourself. I haven't haven't seen that book though. Right. Oh, so that's um, a collection from the writers themselves. Yes, living, loving, longing Lisbon. Um, yeah, I'm, I'd like to do it again. And, and all the stories were themed around Lisbon. Uh, that was a lot of fun, collecting other people's stories together as well. I mean, in the end, I felt that they were actually so different. Um, but I think, you know, something that you could just dip into and dip out of. Yeah, and, and that's so, the beauty of short yeah. stories, really. So, yeah. um 
I found that um, uh, for write, the writing challenges at the Lisbon Writers Group uh, of writing a short story, I found the best way was to have a little idea already planned out. So when when I came to, uh, to write something, I could write it maybe in an hour or two hours. Right, yes. I mean, sometimes that works for me. Um, I do like it when they just offer a challenge and you've got no idea and you're just like, oh, okay. I just start writing and and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes yeah. I take it away and finish it at home. <laughs> yes, I, I found that as well, that I've, I, it was a start. But, you know, it's good to have the motivation to have the creativity. And once you have that, then you'll finish it, I find. Exactly. And I mean, it's always a first draft, isn't it? So it's got to be yeah, know, polished a bit more. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But very enjoyable, I must say, actually. I've enjoyed all the time I've been here. I've enjoyed uh, going to the uh, writers group and, and it certainly has got me interested in writing more. Yeah, me too. And I mean, it's such a friendly, supportive group as well, you know. Some groups can be a little bit sort of uh, competitive, but this one is certainly not. Yes, yes, indeed. The other thing I think I'm looking at doing, Frank, which might be an interesting podcast once I've actually done it, I'm looking to turn some of my books into graphic novels. Well, it's that whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a great idea. I have had that idea myself, especially as I do sketching as well. But it's a huge, it's a huge amount of work. You have to rewrite your novel completely. As, yeah, yeah. Uh, you have to think of it in the frames, every frame inside each, like maybe half a dozen frames in each uh, on average per page. Yeah. And yeah. if you think, let's say a graphic novel is 120 pages, that'll be a reasonable yeah. size. So right. if you've got six frames on average, that means that you've got, you've got 720 yeah. frames. So it's a huge amount of artwork but it's a great yes. it's a great idea, I have to say. I, I did think I tried a couple of things, but I, I was overwhelmed by the possibility of how long it would take to actually do. Yeah, I mean, what I'm what I'm thinking of, I don't know if you've come across Webtoons. It's an online uh, I've heard the name. novel yeah. subscription thing. Yeah. yeah, I noticed there a couple of YA authors have had their books turned into graphic novels and then they've got them up on Webtoons. So they're online comics, and um, so I'm sort of thinking that what I might try and do is put it into that, but I wouldn't be the person drawing. Yeah. I cannot draw. I cannot draw to save my life. And I don't have the time. Yeah, you know, the time. The writing, I do not have the time. I, I estimated that, uh, and this is from, from looking at other uh, people's work and talking to other people, that if you are really good as an artist and you, you can do the lettering, which sometimes is done separately, and you yeah. can do the artwork, and then you already have the structure of the novel, whatever else, the most that yeah. you could possibly hope for is a page a day, if you were lucky. Exactly. Which means yeah. by the time you've actually done all the origin, it's going to take it a year in order to get a graphic novel. A long time, yeah. yeah. I mean, I noticed with the graphic, you know, with these webtoons, there's a lot of interaction with the authors and, you know, the artists, so you, you kind of pick up a lot of the information. And, you know, they're, they're doing, like you say, for about six frames. It takes them all week. Um, and they have, like, a weekly release thing. And, yeah, it takes them an entire year, as you say, to get an entire novel up, 
up and down. Well, I'd be quite interested. I would. I must have a look at that myself. Actually, I, mm. I hadn't thought so much. I was thinking more of the comicsology, or um, which like is a, is an area where you can do self publishing in in right. uh, graphic novels, or also the print area as opposed to online. But you're right. Actually, people who are consuming the stuff are actually now most likely consuming it online. The appeal of Webtoons is that you get paid week by week for the week's work that you put up. Not a lot, kind of pennies yeah. when you're starting off, but you know, but it does mean that it's actually being paid as it's being produced rather than spending an entire year doing a graphic novel and then trying to get money out of it. That's true. You mightn't get anything out of it and it's a long mm. time. So, um, Marina, it's been really interesting having a, a chat about the book process, your writing process, the types of books, the ranges of books, the marketing, all the area, all the aspects of your, your writing, which I've enjoyed a lot hearing about. And uh, So thanks very much for being on my podcast today. Oh, thank you. I enjoyed it a lot too. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye.